Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Dr. Kara Antoine. Dr. Kara Antoine is the Managing Director of Digital Transformation at IGNH and has seasoned executive experiences in digitally transforming businesses and cultures across global corporations and industries from Polaroid to Compaq, Hewlett Packard, Royal Dutch Shell, and Microsoft. Kara leads with purpose and delivers high impact results through her tireless actions that serve people and the planet at the intersect of technology and humanity. Her inclusive mindset and approach to diversity enables organizations and the individuals who work within them to achieve more. She serves as Netherlands president and executive member of the Board of Women in Tech, NL. As supervisory board member at the Wartel Group and on the Quality Council at the BIT Academy. With the ambition to excite and educate future generations of female leaders to choose a career in technology. Kara and her partner Niels have two grown children, Jesse and Syl, and they live in North Holland, where they enjoy taking long walks at the beach and a swim in the North Sea. Welcome to the show, Kara. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks very much, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be here today. So let's get started. As a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Oh, sure, Jennifer. I'll be happy to share that story with you. And in fact, it goes back to a time when I was very young. Um, and it had to do with uh, falling accidentally into uh, the space of technology, where I really fell in love with tech and science. Um, my early inspiration came from a, an incident with a radio, and it happened to be the first uh, cableless radio, wireless radio in the neighborhood where I was growing up. And um, I, I loved music, and I loved listening to this radio, and it was really my most prized possession. Uh, but my younger brother had other plans for us. He wanted to play sports and, um, well, there were other things that happened with uh, Barbie dolls that became uh, goalposts and different things for sportings that he wanted to do with us. But that radio became the center of his attention because he knew how much I adored it. And, uh, well, one day um, a, a, a game of chase ensued with that radio as the central object and um, became a tug of war. And ultimately that radio went crashing to the ground. And when it did, um, I, I think my brother and I both went two different forms of analysis paralysis. Um, he, he was sort of frozen in terms of, uh-oh, uh, I'm in a lot of trouble again. 
Um, and I think my reaction at the time was something more like, wow, look at what the inside of that radio has just shown to me, has just exposed to me. All these beautifully colored wires and the way that they had been soldered onto the uh, onto the circuitry board. And, um, and I figured out that there was a speaker inside of there that was actually making that radio produce this beautiful sound. And from that moment, I just decided that I needed to learn everything I could about how to um, put that radio back together again, but also to build other things just like it. And um, when I was 14, I signed up for electrical engineering and I was the only girl in that class. Uh, but luckily, I had a teacher who believed in every student in his class, including me. And, and it was in that class that my teacher became my role model. Um, he taught me how to creatively bind and solder all the differently colored wires, how to secure them to a circuit board and attach a speaker and create a sound. And really, I was hooked. Um, and I think in that class also, Jennifer, he taught me the four most empowering words. He said, I believe in you. And so since that time, I have sought ways to try to pay it forward and tell more women that I believe in them. And I've found myself in a very international space where I can have the most impact. So I've held a lot of global positions in technology from the United States to Germany, France, the UK, the Netherlands, uh, and across major corporations from Polaroid to Compaq Computer, Hewlett Packard, Shell, Microsoft, and now today I work at IGNH as Managing Director for Digital Transformation. What an interesting journey, right? I just love the, the radio story because I too, at one point in my life, was very fascinated on the inside of a computer. Uh, mine wasn't a radio, but it was, a, you know, the early Apple computers. And it's just fascinating. And I was like, oh, I want to learn more about this. I just got so interested. So, um, so I felt that memory coming back when you talked about the radio, which I loved. Um, and I love the I believe in you because we really need to tell more women that we need to build confidence. We need to have people realize that they have greatness in them. And um, sometimes we as women are taking on way too much. And it's very, very hard to think about ourselves. So I love, love, love what you said. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So as you know, this podcast is focused on bridging employment, pay, and culture gap for women, women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry today? I think that's a great question, Jennifer, and, and thank you. And, and you know, in this, this, this phase that I was in when I was younger and the, the radio story that I've shared with you, um, the, my early inspiration also came from reading stories um, and, and the accomplishments of great pioneers, um, people like Grace Hopper and Jane Goodall, Amelia, uh, Amelia Earhart. And, um, and, and these individuals inspired me. Um, however, they were um, intangible. They were people who um, I couldn't connect with with. Uh, they, were, they, they were no longer alive um, uh, in some cases. Uh, others were just so far remote from me that getting in touch with a Jane Goodall, for instance, as a little girl was not possible for me to do. And so that teacher, um, as a role model for me, was 
playing such an important role in my life um, in terms of how we start to bridge this cultural gap for women in technology because he inspired me and he told me he believed in me. As for, for context, um, if we're going to achieve equality in the tech workforce, let's use the year 2030, this will require another 8 million girls and women to choose for a course of study or a career in technology. And what I think is really shocking is to understand that those numbers today are where we were in the late 1970s when it comes to equality and empowerment of, of women and emancipation of women. So, you know, when we start to look at in technology, um, this sort of double negative effect that's happening um, as processes are becoming more automated and companies are digitizing, for instance, the, the tasks that are performed in administrative roles or even in logistics functions that are mostly executed by women today. Well, these roles are going to be displaced. So not only do we already are we already starting on our back foot, we, we have a big gap to close. And with the introduction of these digital processes, uh, we are uh, losing our footing because those are being those roles are being replaced. So, you know, we see this introduction of more creative and more analytical roles in industry. And and I really believe that the diversity in the development of new technology is just as important as diversity in the industry itself. And so. For instance, if you think about, you know, we want to train computers, we want to utilize machine learning and artificial intelligence that are developed by both women and men to ensure that AI not only acts the way men think, but rather represents our society holistically and in its entirety. Um, one thing we do see about the data, kind of back to the time frame that I started my storyline was the data shows that girls are most creative at the age of 14 and the creativity that is inherent in the DNA of these girls is, is what's needed to solve some of these world's most complex problems. So I think we really need to show girls and women the application of creativity to solve some of these real world problems with tech skills. And we need to learn to tell stories that will inspire them as well. Um, there's one short story, Jennifer, I think that might be fitting here in this theme is to, to give an example of what I'm saying is um, I think in creating and enabling um, supportive ecosystems for women in tech. Um, and an example that I'll take is from um, the, the agricultural industry and particularly a focus on farming. So what we see in Africa, for instance, today is that women dominate the farming industry. They're the, the majority of farm owners and operators. Uh, There's their women. Um, and recent innovation projects that were launched in Africa actually enable women with data to run their farms more efficiently. So by having the right data at hand, these women can not only improve the way the farm is run, but that also has an impact on their village and on their community. So when these women are more successful, their society benefits as well. That's amazing. I loved all of those nuggets. Um, I did not know about Africa and farming that women are predominantly you know the farmers i did not know that and the you know we know that women do run organizations and companies more efficiently because they do 
depend on collaboration, on data, lots of different things. So I love that. And storytelling is so, so important mm. because it does inspire you. And I think you said it perfectly, is that it's not about the story, but it's more about what it does to motivate and inspire us. And stories do that for us. Mm-hmm. And I I completely agree. I feel I feel like we are kind of going backwards because, you know, like you said, we were back in the 70s, we were at these numbers. And now we have to start almost all over. And the pandemic has really hurt us where yes. a lot of women has le- have left uh, the workforce, both in technology as well as in just general job roles. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So many organizations are currently realizing the need to digitally transform. So can you share with us some of the key areas they need to think about while they're planning a digital transformation? Because this is becoming more and more prominent today. Oh, it sure is. And, you know, and I guess, you know, the 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 mindset here is if you're if your company has not gone digital yet, it will. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 coming. This train has left the station. And um, so, you know, organizations are digitizing. And of course, with the uh, covid pandemic, uh, we have never seen such an explosion and 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 an acceleration of of companies going digital as we did in the last 18 months uh, of the the corona crisis. So um, that that's definitely um, uh, you know the 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 topic I think in every boardroom right now, um, and and to ensure that transformation in the digital era is future proof, we must address diversity in the tech industry. So to be more specific, um, more diversity in the tech workforce and more diversity in the development of new technology. Um, I think there's something underlying uh, here as well, which is that it's important to understand how men and women show up in business. Um, so understanding, you know, the rules of the game or the way the game is run um, uh, and, and generalizing here a little bit, but to say that men may more often play down impact on people and focus more on functional things and commercial goals. Women will tend to focus more on the impact to people. And we need to be aware of both of these attributes and they need to be in balance. So it's important that we recalibrate when we're judging people for what they have achieved versus their potential. Uh, And there are many stories, of course, when it comes to gender equality and diversity on those types of topics um, that we need to be very uh, aware of in any transformation and not to mention even the digital transformation because of the need to keep a diverse lens on this. Um, One thing that I see a a lot specific to the digital uh, part of the storyline is that alignment at the top of the organization is vital. So you're not going to be able to start effectively without it. And most of the companies and clients and and, uh, uh, individuals at the C-suite that I talk with struggle the most with how to get started. So they they believe that they are very innovative. For instance, I hear this a lot. You know, we're a very innovative company. Um, Many actually don't know yet the definition of digital. And there's a lot of debate about what does digital really mean for us as an organization? Is it about an efficiency play? Is it because it's the modern thing to do because every company is going digital and we should too? Uh, but these are uh, uh, areas that are really essential and 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 sound very basic, but are really essential for companies to be aligned at the top in order to know how to get started. Um, 
particularly in this current crisis, Jennifer, uh, I don't want to see another crisis emerge that will make the inequalities that we have in the world become even worse. I really believe we need to turn these current times into times of empowerment. And there is currently, as you've rightfully said just a moment ago, there's a huge impact on women. Um, in large corporates, um, as you know, we described earlier, these administrative process-oriented uh, work being done by women is, is being displaced by AI and by machine learning. Uh, in the Netherlands, as an example, uh, where I live, um, we're the world champions in small businesses. So many individuals have figured out that they can fill a niche uh, by being a, a one-person business. But, but the challenge with that is that um, by keeping businesses small and the scope of an organization small, you limit innovation because you're not sharing your ideas openly. You want to be the one that has the success. And so um, we're, we're lacking in the ability to accelerate innovation and that creative creative thinking that I was talking about earlier. Um, and, and a large majority of these small business owners here in the Netherlands, in, in any case, are women. And these same businesses uh, really experienced difficulties, and many, many, in fact, even went bankrupt during the COVID crisis. Uh, and this is almost predominantly uh, because of the fact that women lack the digital skills that they needed to bring their businesses online. There were other reasons too, uh, because we know and and we've seen you know masses of women leaving the workforce uh, because they had to make choices between uh, their work and their family, and environments were not set up to support uh, uh, flexible working arrangements um, in the way that women uh, were looking to stay employed on those terms. So um, so there are a few things you know going on in here, but I think for organizations to realize their ability to digitally transform, they do need to think holistically about the people in the organization and address the, the inclusion of the diversity uh, in whatever that means for you in your area of business, uh, the inclusion of that diversity in the tech industry. Very, very true. So a couple things that stood out. I love that you said about the diversity of the workforce because that's so important. We need to influence the innovation that's coming up as women because then we we can incorporate the impact on people, not just the functional side, but the impact on people. And if we are not at the table doing that, we're going to miss that whole part and not be able to align ourselves with technology that's the future of work. So, mm -hmm. um so I really think, you know, having a diverse workforce and uh, making that a priority for organizations is critical. Um, I loved how you broke it up where men think functionally. And so a lot of the software and a lot of technology is built that way. Um, but women are more empathetic. They're thinking about the impact on people. Mm -hmm. uh, they're collaborative. And those thought processes need to be in that innovation as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. 
Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. So um, on the same conversation here, let's talk about how technology and humanity intersect because that's so important right the functional side of technology but also the emotional or the impact of people the empathetical side so how do you blend the two what are your thoughts on that you know there was a quote that i saw um and the credit goes to forbes uh not too long ago jennifer where i i think that a, a lot of um companies have recognized this need and the quote from forbes and i'm requoting this was um it has never been more important than now to be more human than ever and you know and i think you can take that and apply it to pretty much any area of business today and so for me this is a call to action to really understand the importance of including diversity to make us more human uh, i think there's a real need to avoid generalizations about the way women are and what is appropriate for women um, because we're maybe unintentionally denying them opportunities and there's a lot of bias uh, you know in the way that people look at uh, at things so, for instance, look at a recent ruling in Russia that has just recently allowed highly qualified women to become train operators. Now, these trains have become fully digitized, right? So, in the in the space of technology, these are are uh, you know moving computers. But these women, they studied and they became highly skilled in this field, despite knowing that they would be prohibited to ever work in that field of being a train operator. Um, and that has recently been a ruling that allowed them to get to operate those trains. Uh, the sad side of the story, though, is that that still leaves several hundred, and I'm talking about around 400-ish range of other job types and functions that are still on that list that women are still not permitted to do or hold in Russia. Um, another example that I've seen is, you know, you know so way back when, uh, when working on the theory of relativity, Einstein, uh, his first wife was Mileva Marek, and she uh, was credited with a lot of the scientific genius that went into his, uh, you know, the, the new physics uh, discoveries. But Einstein's name was attributed to those successes because of the bias that having her name on the documents would weaken the credibility of the findings. So I think for leaders today and those listening into our podcast um, together today, Jennifer, it's it's for me about starting with the belief of equal justice for all. Um, you know, there was a, an incredibly inspirational woman that I uh, adored listening to, which was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she would remind us that women belong in all places where decisions are being made. And I think when we start to look at the blend of technology and humanity, uh, companies of the future are going to be um, uh, evaluated and valued based on impact. So when we see organizations, uh, companies like uh, Unilever, uh, Philips, uh, DSM, um, I think these are a couple of really outstanding examples actually today, have taken a decision to say, we will lead with purpose and we will um, d you know, drive by action, acting by actions that we will take. And, um, and taking a very inclusive uh, and, and humanitarian approach to their business um, where they um, are showing up for good 
Um, so doing good uh, for people and for the planet. And I think that's where we start also to see this intersect between technology and humanity coming to the surface because we're thinking about the impact on society um, more so than per se um, the the uh, the uh, the revenue and on the bottom line. So I think that's that's where I see you know this this need for us to even think in that way um, with a purpose-led mission in organizations um, because that will in fact. Um, uh, uncover opportunities that we may never have seen before when we include the uh, diversity in our organizations that make us more human in technology. You know, it makes me sad to think there's still mm. 400 plus jobs in Russia <laughs> yeah. that women are not permitted to do. And yeah. then the, you know, Einstein's, Malavia's, comments, you know, not being able to be published. It just really makes me sad. But um, I'm glad things are changing for the better in the sense that we are looking at, you know, human humanity is so important as part of everything we do. Impact is very important. And I think outcomes are very important. So when we lead with purpose um, and women are really good at execution and providing outcomes because they really listen to the problem and come up with a solution rather than have a big picture solution. They're really executing on that goal. So I think we just you know, really have to focus on getting more women into the technology roles. And we have to start with girls, right? Like you said, at 14, they're the most creative. But we find that 8 to 13 is the ages that we have to really start to influence them. And if we don't build that pipeline now, we will still have this problem 20 years from now. That's I completely agree with what you've just said. That's absolutely uh, how I see it as well. And uh, and And, you know, in fact, Jennifer, if we even roll the clock back further, at the age of four, uh, when when children are being put in their pajamas and the boys have rocket ships and the girls have kittens and cupcakes, uh, you know, on their pajamas, then, you know, we're already imprinting what is okay for boys to think and dream of doing, uh, you know, flying that rocket ship uh, versus what girls are being uh, imprinted uh, to think about. Um, and so it even goes back earlier than the eight to 13, uh, you know, range. But um, I, I think even at that point in time, um, you know, we should, we should definitely be making more uh, pajamas for girls with rocket ships on them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I, really agree it's how we raise them too is totally different you're talking about the pajamas but mm -hmm. i had a conversation with my daughter and you know when a boy cries we're like oh come on stop right now you know there's no reason to cry and mm -hmm. when a girl cries we are nurturing them and we we re you know reinforce that that's okay you know mm -hmm. and we need to build that confidence in them much earlier so you're absolutely right it starts out way before the 8 to 13. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so we're seeing focus on accessibility today i know many big organizations are working on the digital side of this mm -hmm. uh, what advice do you have for organizations to become more digitally inclusive yeah, you know, so accessibility, in my experience, uh, can take on different meanings. Um, so what do we mean by accessibility? And of course, it's, you know, starting with the awareness building and and knowing also what you're dealing with in your organization. I think, you know, one thing that, you know, um, continues to surprise me is how much 
um, uh, organizations don't know. Um, and so you need to be able to foster an open dialogue in your organizations to really know what you're dealing with in your organization. But when it when it comes to the the digital inclusion, there there are digital inequities. Um, and if we if we think just purely from the digital side of that um, conversation, there, there's uh, not enough access to Wi-Fi, as an example, um, even in in big cities. Um, and and in a family or in a household where during Corona crisis you needed to plug in several computers, uh, you know, not enough access to the Wi-Fi or a lack of bandwidth, um, you know, like like we may experience on a podcast here together today, uh, you know, lack of connectivity to hotspots or lack of access to computers. Um, what we see is, you know, in the, the conversation earlier around women needing digital skills to get their businesses online. Well, if smartphones were the available tool, let's say, um, then then we should learn about social marketing and about coding new apps so that you can bring your business online and 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 use the tools that are available to you to um, to decrease the inequities uh, in terms of the the access to digital. Um, but there's another side, I think, of accessibility, um, and and in my interpretation of the the word that we're using here today, so um, it also comes to persons with disabilities, and. Uh, you know, so we've seen um, with all of the online uh, virtual conferencing tools, um, my my tremendous frustration has been where are all the subtitles? <laughs> you know, where did the subtitles go? So for online tooling to enable the hearing impaired online or even real time translation, because we're a connected world and and people speak different languages. So to be able to translate what's being spoken on your own screen in your own language in real time. Um, uh, makes a tremendous difference in terms of getting people connected into the conversation. Uh, there are other uh, tools and forms of accessibility as well, and and in fact, um, I uh, I am blind in my left eye. Uh, I lost my left eye on a business trip um, eight years ago, and uh, from the moment that I um, uh, went through this real tragic moment in my life, um, I was also trying to figure out how do I come back and. Uh, the one thing that I know that I'm really good at is technology. And so I really leaned on tech to help me get back on my own two feet. But what that also did was it led me to want to improve the technology that I was using so that others could also benefit from better technology, um, from, you know, simple things from, you know, Zoom functions on your computer screen to, you know, listening to audiobooks because I couldn't read books anymore. And I started to think about the different voices that I was hearing, and that was a, a whole new path for me. And many different things that I was doing to be able to get access to the content that I couldn't really uh, uh, deal with as, as I was going through uh, uh, multiples of surgeries and, and recovery. And, and I was very much a part of um, work that uh, at the time that I worked at Microsoft that was in deploying an app that was called Seeing AI. And the, the developments that were made in this space were pretty remarkable for individuals with a visual impairment. And um, the, the, these types of apps um, help an individual with visual impairments to navigate. And um, the, the navigation is then um, with your mobile phone, um, using the camera and the, the speaker on your, your mobile phone to give you information that you can't otherwise see. And so I think that is very uh, uh, vital to um, empowering individuals and giving them the confidence that they can do what it is that they set out to achieve in that day or in that week or in that period of time. 
uh, and um, it led me also to be a part of the, um, the, the Corneal Patients Association here in the Netherlands and a part of the European uh, Transplant Association and, and several organizations. And what I have done is I've tried to leverage the technology uh, in order to help other individuals to get back on their own feet. And so really paying it forward, you know, kind of a mindset to say um, we need to um, uh, help each other um, and technology can help us to do that. And so um, for me, the digital inclusion and, and the way that I look at that from an organizational perspective and wanting to ensure that everyone feels like they're a part of the conversation is uh, I go where I'm invited and I stay where I belong. And for me, that is digital inclusion is that everyone feels that. Um, they have the, the, the tool and the access, the accessibility to get to achieve whatever it is that they want to do. That's awesome. I love technology because it gives us so much inclusion and in so many things. When you talk about, um, you know, digital books and uh, seeing AI for the visually impaired, it's just amazing how much we can do with technology. I just love that. So, you know, technology is constantly changing all the time. So what are some of the best practices that you use to be relevant? Yeah, you know, I think it's just in staying current. It's it's um, it's about being involved, really. It's uh, it's about taking action. Um, and for those that might not be involved themselves, it's then being a great ally. Um, you know, so maybe maybe a few personal examples to share with you is, um, you know, continuing to pursue my tech career in digital transformation of companies, um, where I also volunteer my time in places where I believe I can really make a difference to empower others in the field of tech, and and I can tell you that through through the the volunteering and the examples that I'm, I'd like to share with you is. This has also kept me very current in between jobs um, and kept, helped me to keep my finger on the pulse of what was happening uh, because it gave me the ability to really look outside and ahead. Um, so by volunteering and having that as a constant stream, even if I was in transition or you know, in between jobs, has really helped me to stay relevant. So. Uh, the types of things that I really love, um, you know, I mentor several CEOs today of tech scale-ups. Um, I'm the president of the women in tech movement in the Netherlands, uh, which is part of a global movement. We have 75,000 members and followers. And, uh, you know, so that's an area of, of, of great um, activity and, and interest for me. Um, joined the supervisory board of the Vortel Group, and um, I'm on the Quality Council at the BIT Academy. And each of these areas, um, very much close to my passions, my aim is really to educate, to equip, and to empower women and girls with the necessary skills and the confidence, really, that, that they need to succeed in a STEM career um, or in a study. And you know, I talked about purpose earlier, and and so that comes back in everything that I do myself personally as an individual as well. And uh, my my mission is very much led by purpose and driven by these actions. And the the areas where I am involved really focused in on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And there are 17 of those, um, but particularly in the area of technology, there are uh, a small handful of four that I've really focused in on. So I look at gender equality, I'm looking at education, 
entrepreneurialism, social inclusion, and science, technology, and innovation. Actually, that was five that I just mentioned, but gender equality for me kind of comes as, an, as the natural one that is always at the middle of everything I do. Um, and, and that's the core of my focus, uh, to really empower women and girls, especially in the field of tech. So, so to just give a few examples of, so how, what does that mean then? How do you how do you keep it current? How do you, you know, really focus on that? Um, so in the space of education, as an example, um, I've developed an annual series of role models masterclasses. We've just recently launched those actually, and, and we're in our third season of that here at Women in Tech in the Netherlands. And um, it's a four month long program with amazing inspirational speakers that at the end of the program, um, every individual um, that passes the test gets a certificate that says that you are the next gen role model and to to learn how to pay that forward. Um, created some opportunities for advanced degree scholarship uh, scholarships in tech. So a master of science in management in data science and data analytics in connection with universities of, of applied sciences here in the Netherlands. Um, developed a, a youth ambassador program and, and I also offer an early in career mentoring program um, where there's this gap that, that I've noticed between um, the individuals that are just graduating and then um, early in career or just starting their career, they're sort of looking into the, 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 the world of work and thinking, okay, how do I do this? What do I, you know, how do I be successful? And they would love to talk with people who have already been there for a while, who kind of know what they're doing or have had some experiences. And so this early in career mentoring program matches individuals that are just getting started with quite experienced people to help give them some guidance. Um, in, in the space of entrepreneurialism, um, I've uh, worked on developing a pitch program. So this is connecting startups and scale-ups to VC funders. Uh, we have incubation programs and acceleration boot camps. Um, I'm looking at uh, the space of social inclusion, and I think this is really important because close to home, we really want to drive community impact uh, initiatives and and have programs that, um, uh, you know, like an example is a, a COVID emergency relief fund that we established to equip girls uh, with access to tools and learning. And um, one of the very special, I would say very close to my heart areas that I'm personally focused on right now is in finding ways to provide the girls and women of Afghanistan a safe haven where they can continue their education and employment no matter where they are. Um, so offering them, uh, you know, free coding classes online and, and things like this where they're currently in their homes. Um, but when they do have access to uh, to Internet, then they can get free coding and free uh, technology programs from us. Um, when it comes to efforts closer to, to home here in the Netherlands, so uh, my team and I have set up a, a rotational uh, uh, program of visiting classrooms around the Netherlands. And we teach low code programming and how to build a robot, which is so cool because the expression on the children's faces at the end of the, the session, you know, when they either have to hit that big green button that runs their code or they can make their robot dance or whatever, do push-ups or whatever it's built to do, um, just the joy on their faces is uh, enough to, to, you know, last my lifetime. So it's just fantastic. And um, and the last area was in the space of science, technology, and innovation. And and I've been running a series of executive tech roundtables to help build tech awareness, um, but also enable us to partner on events when we want to go deeper on themes like digitization, uh, data science and analytics, the cloud, 
uh, AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning, and other other technology themes. In fact, we we recently launched a uh, a new podcast series ourselves, and it's called the Spotcast. And this put a spotlight, like we're doing a little bit today, I suppose, Jennifer, um, on the the stories of modern female pioneers in tech, and um, very very much in a way like the stories that I used to read when I was a little girl, but um, where you really hear the voices of of women and their experiences in tech. So those are a few examples and things that I'm trying to do to you know, really keep my finger on the pulse and stay current um, by being involved, uh, by taking action and, uh, you know, really uh, um, being uh, in society where I can see the work that we're doing having a difference um, for, for individuals and getting them excited and feeling empowered for technology. Wow. Cara, do you ever sleep? <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough. <laughs> not enough. I know no. sleep is overrated, but yeah. wow, you are action-packed. You're getting yes. so much done in this area. I am just so impressed. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for all your good work. So let's kind of move to a little personal note. Um, so I love to travel, and I love to ask uh, my my guest, what is your for favorite place to travel and why? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, um, this is this is a really nice question and something that doesn't get asked too often. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so uh, but actually for me, the answer is it's almost easy, despite the fact that I've traveled all around the world. Um, and I just have to say it's Australia. Um, and why that is, is um, when I was very young, uh, my family moved to Australia and uh, we lived there for several years uh, where my dad was uh, uh, on a sabbatical to um, do research and um, and teach courses in microbiology, biochemistry, biophysics. And um, we were at he was at La Trobe University in Melbourne. And um, and so for me, being in Australia, um, really the first big efforts, uh, a big time in my life of living abroad um, that really um, formed my early years. And and it was an age when I could really remember and appreciate what we did and and um, not just traveling, but being in classrooms with 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 other students and friends that are friends still today for me. And so um the memories that I have are still crystal clear of of living in Australia and um despite um you know not um uh, uh you know being back there again now or 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 living there still today I, it's a place that I will never forget and uh and it will always have a very special place in my heart having lived in Melbourne for nearly seven years when I was little and uh you know it's funny at at, at you know, because the for me the um, seasons are opposite to where I live in Europe uh, now today. Um, I still think of um, you know palm trees at Christmas and um, instead of you know white snowy Christmases. So it, it it has definitely influenced me to want to get away to warm sunny places every time at at Christmas time. Um, yes. So it still has an influence. <laughs> well, you have to come visit me in Arizona because that's why I moved from Chicago to Arizona yeah. is to have warm Christmases and not snowy icy Christmases <laughs> but uh, Australia is definitely on my bucket list um, it's just so far away I keep I have a few friends there and I keep telling them can you move it closer please so I can get there faster <laughs> Arizona is beautiful yeah yeah I love Arizona as well Wonderful. so 
This has been just amazing, Cara. I just loved our conversation. So in closing, what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in the tech industry? Oh, first of all, say yes. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I think as a final bit of advice, um, ha have your own personal courage. Uh, if it if it feels good to you, don't give up on it. Um, don't stop making your voice be heard, uh, being seen for who you are, leading how you want to lead, driving your purpose with fashion um, and doing what's right. Um, be yourself and change the world. And I would say join me by becoming a woman in tech or an ally of a woman in tech. And let's cl close this gap together and inspire the next generations of women in tech. I love that. Great advice. And I'm there with you. Whatever I can do to help you out at any point, please let me know because I think we have the same passions and missions. So yes, I um, think so too. <laughs> thank you so much, Cara. It was a pleasure and an honor to have you on my show. Uh, I hope to have you again in the future. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for the opportunity. I really enjoyed our dialogue. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.